Welcome to SuccessfulSavior.org, the ministry of Harmony Primitive Baptist Church in Donaldson, Arkansas. It is good to be here again. Turn with me, if you will, to the second, uh, 26th chapter of 2 Chronicles. <coughs> 26th chapter of 2 Chronicles. The lamb that was slain. You know, y'all are having your communion service this afternoon. The first communion, if you'll have it, that last supper, that was the end of the Passover. It was at the time of Passover. Paul would later call Christ our Passover. At that first one, the, when Jesus took communion with the twelve, they literally sat and ate with their lamb. That is mind-blowing to me. And I've often thought about, people will say, well, when you have a closed, closed communion or a close communion, whatever you have, it, you know, why do you have to be a member of that church or that same faith and order? Well, I'll remind you, Christ had many, many, many disciples, but he only took communion with the twelve. So, but what I had on, on my mind this morning, I titled this sermon, A Tale of Two Lepers. I tried to act all smart like Charles Dickens, you know, A Tale of Two Cities. I've never read that book, but, you know, <laughs> sounded good. I've seen A Christmas Carol, though. <laughs> Notice how I said seen it. I didn't say I've read it. I've seen it. But I wanted to compare two lepers this morning in the Old Testament. And the first one is in Second Chronicles. But before I read about this man, I want to... You've often heard of leprosy, I'm sure, in Scripture. It's, all, it's used all throughout the Bible. But what is it? Well, it's a, it's a loath, loathsome disease which slowly eats away at the body. It manifests itself with forms of shiny white scales on the skin. When I was reading a little bit about leprosy, if you'll read Ecclesiastes chapter 12, when it's describing the aging process, it sounds very similar. The body starts to decay. Leprosy, the interesting thing about leprosy, though, is it decays the body visibly, but the root is much deeper. Does that not sound like aging of the body. Why does this body begin to decay? Because we have an internal problem. We have a sin problem. It is a bacterial disease and here's four things about leprosy. It spreads over the entire body. It separates, meaning they would separate those with leprosy from the rest of them. Um, the population. It numbs you. It numbs you. And it's contagious. Boy, that sounds an awful lot like sin, doesn't it? No wonder it's always compared to sin. You know, the first instance of leprosy was in the, I believe was in the book of Leviticus. And the priest was to examine the leper and quarantine the leper. There is no new thing under the sun. Thank goodness COVID is over because Biden said so this week. I'm being a little snarky. But I thought then, you know, 
the answers to the, solu- the, the solutions to our problems, no matter what it is, is always found in this book. Amen. There was a way to handle, there's a way to handle infectious diseases just as there was in Scripture. It wasn't quarantining the healthy people, but anyway, I, I go on. I want to compare these two men, though, these two men this morning. Uh, the first was a man named Uzziah. And the second is a man named Naaman. Naaman you're probably a little more familiar with. Both were lepers. But the way they handled it was vastly different. The way I look at this is one of these men represents sin, which is rebellion. And the other represents baptism, which is submission. Now you just think about that when we, when we read this. But the first is this King Uzziah. And he's in 2 Chronicles chapter 26. In verse 1 it says, Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the room of his father Amaziah. He built Eloth and restored it to Judah. After that the king slept with his fathers. Sixteen years old was Uzziah when he began to reign, and he reigned fifty and two years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah did. I want to pause right there for a minute because, and I mentioned this yesterday, young people, it's time, the time to step up and serve is now. Amen. It's not later. It's now. Uzziah is an example. David is an example. Solomon is an example. All these men were much better leaders when they were young than when they were old. I'm not saying that's necessarily a pattern. I mean, wisdom of the elders is, greatly, is to be greatly sought after. But it doesn't mean when you're young you can't do great things. Especially in the kingdom of God. I can promise you nothing will invigorate a church more than to see young people start digging in Amen. and buying in and serving. The church needs it. Anyway, verse 5. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah who had understanding in the visions of God. Listen to this next line. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. That's all the free will you can handle. People talk about free will. That's all the free will you can handle right there. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. And he went forth and warred against the Philistines and break down the wall of Gath and the wall of Jabna and the wall of Ashdod and built cities about Ashdod and among the Philistines. And God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians that dwelt in Gerbal and Mahunim. And the Ammonites gave gifts to Uzziah and his name spread abroad even to the entering in of Egypt. For he strengthened himself exceedingly. When did he strengthen himself exceedingly? As long as he sought the Lord. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate and at the valley gate and at the turning of the wall and fortified them. 
Also, he built towers in the desert and digged many wells, for he had much cattle, both in the low country and in the plains, husbandmen also, and vine dressers in the mountains and in Carmel, for he loved husbandry. <coughs> Moreover, Isaiah had a host of fighting men that went out to war by bands according to the number of their account by the hands of Jael, the scribe, and Maesiah, the ruler under the hand of Hananiah, one of the king's captains. The whole number of the chief of the fathers of the mighty men of valor were 2,600. And under their hand was an army, 300,000 and 7,500 that made war with mighty power to help the king against the enemy. It's just describing what all Uzziah was able to accomplish as long as he sought the Lord. And Uzziah prepared for them throughout all the host shields and spears and helmets and habergeons and bows and slings to cast stones. And he made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on the towers and upon the bulwarks to shoot arrows and great stones withal. And his name spread far abroad for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. Hmm. What a testimony. Verse 16, But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. I think about what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, My strength is made perfect in weakness. This man got a little too high and mighty, didn't he? A little too full of himself. So much so that he thought, I'm so important, I need to go in here and burn incense. And, and you'll see why this was a big mistake. And Azariah, the priest, went in after him, and with him fourscore priests of the Lord that were valiant men. And they withstood Uzziah the king and said unto him, It appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests, the sons of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed. Neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God. You know, people can have good intentions. People can be sincere in what they're trying to do, but you can be sincerely wrong. God has a certain way for us to do things. And the king here was not supposed to burn incense. He was not a son of Aaron or the tribe of Levi. Then Isaiah was wroth. And had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priest, the leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. And Azariah the chief priest and all the priests looked upon him and behold he was leprous in his forehead. And they thrust him out from thence. Yea, himself hasted also to go out because the Lord had smitten him. And Isaiah the king was a leper unto the day of his death. And dwelt in a several house, being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. And Jotham, his son, was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah, first and last, did Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, write. So Uzziah slept with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the field, in the field of the burial which belonged to the kings. For they said, He is a leper. And Jotham, his son, reigned in his stead. Wow. What a sad ending to an otherwise great life. 
There are great blessings through obedience in this life. Now, there's not one thing Uzziah could have done to change the fact that he was a child of God. God blessed him. God's blessing was upon him. I think about King Saul. He was not a good king. He really wasn't. I believe he was a child of God. Sure. Samuel told him. He said, tomorrow you'll be with me. I believe, I believe Samuel was in heaven. That's a, that's a whole other story for another day. But The thing about this, though, what obedience can do for you in this life and under the sun. Scripture is written for God's people. Would we all agree with that? This means nothing to an alien sinner, right? Some, I mean, this is written to God's people. It's an instruction booklet for life. But it doesn't benefit us one bit if we don't read it and know it. I mean, just to have a Bible on the shelf in your house, that does us no good, right? This book is full of warnings and obvious consequences for things like unbelief, for rejection of the gospel, for denying Christ, for not confessing our sin, for not submitting for not committing, for pride, all these things. There's all kind of warnings. And since it is written to us, don't you think we ought to pay attention to it? The psalmist said in the 119th Psalm in the 11th verse, he says, Thy word have I hid in my heart. Store it in there. I, I make this statement so often at, back home at Shiloh. We need God's word Every day because we forget it every day. Amen. Dan was talking about how if you look back over the week and feel like you're the biggest failure and the biggest sinner, let me tell you how different your preacher is from you. <laughs> if you could write all the things that have went through my mind this week up here, so all y'all could see, y'all wouldn't listen to me. I'm just telling you the truth. Ask that lady. No, don't ask her. But she'll tell you. I promise you, me and Dan and Sonny ain't no different than the rest of y'all. Not a thing. But Isaiah, who was greatly blessed in his obedience, suffered dire consequences for his sins. I think we would all agree. Now, the next man I want to look at is Naaman. Old Naaman. He's over in 2 Kings chapter 5. Just back up a little bit. 1 and 2 Kings is right before 1 and 2 Chronicles. But here's old Naaman, a man that had the same problem as Uzziah. You know, Uzziah, he died with his leprosy, didn't he? His pride just wouldn't let him. Now here in 2 Kings chapter 5... Beginning in verse 1, it says, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. Think of the greatest man you've ever known. 
the greatest man you've ever known, the greatest man that history has recorded, whoever you, whoever you think that is, no matter how many great things he's done, it could be followed up with, but he's a sinner. Naaman had done many great things, but he was a leper. He was a sinner. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of, of Syria said, Go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass when the king of Israel had read this letter that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. He says, why does he, try to pick, why does he think I can do anything about it? I can't heal this man. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Hmm. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Wow, you know, we don't always... As I said earlier, I can't remember what day I said it. God doesn't always do things our way, does he? Naaman said, this is not how I thought this would go down. Verse 12, are not Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. I've heard, I've never been over there, I've heard the uh, Jordan River ain't much to look at. Ah, that's what I've heard. Nothing special about it. And his servants came near and spoke unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldest thou not have done it? How much rather then would he saith to thee, Wash and be clean? Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in, the, in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came clean like unto the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. How miraculous was this? I had said, I had miracles on my mind. This was a miracle. He just went and dipped himself in the Jordan River, so nasty river seven times, and all of a sudden he's free of leprosy? How could this be? So first of all, when you look back at this, in verse 1, you'll see that Naaman was a mighty man. He was, he was kind of like a rock star of that age, I guess, I guess you'd say. He was more popular than the king even, but he was a sinner. In the second, third, and fourth verse, you'll see that someone pointed Naaman to Israel. 
Y'all catching on on to something now? Mm -hmm. Somebody said, hey, go to Israel. There's healing there in Israel. Huh. Who was it that pointed Naaman to Israel? It was a maid. It was a maid. I am one that believes. I am. I believe I have good ground to stand on here. Israel and Scripture, the promised land, represents the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It does not represent eternal heaven. If it does, Moses didn't make it. Okay? How about this? Can we speak in today's language? Go over to the church. They can help you over there. Those folks might... You know what? I'm not talking about something miraculous like was experienced here. But in your own life, it can be a miraculous help. It can be a miraculous... Those people over there can help you. And guess who pointed him? It was a maid. It wasn't a preacher. It wasn't the king. I I read something one time, and I wouldn't doubt that this is true. They did a survey. I don't know where it was done, but I would bet this is the case. 7% of church attendees were invited by the pastor. 93% were invited by members. I'm not saying we shouldn't invite people to church. I, 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 I try to do that. I hope I do that. But a lot of times people think we got something to sell. There is no better advertisement for a church than a satisfied church member. Come over here and see what we got going on over here. These these folks will help you through life. They'll help you. All of us can point people to the church and to Jesus. In verse 5, you'll see that the king of Syria said, Go, and I'll send a letter to the king. And Naaman went, and he took all this money with him. I'm going to buy my way into this, right? I see so much of law versus grace in this. Your good works are nothing more than filthy rags as far as righteousness. Now, I am thankful for the fact that the born-again child of God, you know you can do things that are a righteous act in the eyes of God. Abraham believed God, and it was counted on him for righteousness. He believed him. Very simple. Just, just believe in what God says. You know, there's a big difference in believing in God and believing God. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Believing Him. You know, you'll see in verses 6 and 7 that the king got this letter, and he was just, the king of Israel, he, he got this letter. I mean, it just, he was tore up. Why is it, what do they think I am? I, I can't heal this man. Why is he trying to pick a fight with me? The king said, there ain't nothing I can do. I, I, there's nothing, I, and you know what? The king couldn't do anything in his own, on his own. I will agree with that. But here's the problem with the king. The king didn't know where to point him either. You know how I know that? I know that the king did not know the God of Israel. If you'll back up to chapter 3, in verse 1, it says, Now Jehoram, the son of Ahab, began to reign over Israel and Samaria the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and reigned 12 years. And he wrought evil in the sight of the Lord, but not like his father and like his mother, for he put away the image of Baal that his father had made. Nevertheless, he cleaved unto the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Naboth, which made Israel to sin. He departed not therefrom. 
I'm not declaring that this guy was not a child of God. That's God's business. But I'm telling you, he didn't know the king. He didn't know God. He wasn't walking with God. He clung to the ways of the world. He couldn't tell Naaman where to get help. I think about how Isaiah chapter 30 and Isaiah chapter 31 start off in the first verse of both of those chapters. I can paraphrase it a little bit. It says, Woe to them that go down to Egypt for help. Egypt has always represented the world in Scripture. And seek not the Lord. Do we go to Oprah or Dr. Phil for help first? I sure hope not. Do we go to Biden for help and Kamala? All right. How about this? Do we go to Trump? Just telling you. The king didn't know where to point Naaman because the king cleaved to the world. I hope we point sinners to Jesus. Verse 8, what did Elisha do? Elisha, the man of God, notice how it says it in there. And it was so when Elisha, comma, the man of God had heard these things, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come to me, and he shall know there is a prophet in Israel. You know what Elijah was saying? Bring him to me. I know how he can get help. I know how we can help him. Elisha knew the Savior, didn't he? He knew the God of Israel. He was a man of God. Elisha was who he was because of God. There was nothing special within Elisha the man and I'll tell you this, I believe this. Elisha wanted Naaman to know God, not him. You know why I believe that? Because Elisha didn't even come to the door. I think that's why Elisha didn't come to the door. He didn't want this man to think that he had done something special. In verses 9 and 10, you see that Naaman was brought, he brought his entourage over to Elisha's house. I like how it says Elisha's house. It doesn't say palace or anything. It was Elisha's house. There was nothing great about Elisha in a worldly sense. And you know what Elisha did? He just sent a messenger to Naaman. It was a simple message, wasn't it? How simple was this message? I still think the message is very simple. It's a simple message. What does the Jordan represent? It is a gateway to the promised land. Is it not? And as I said, I firmly believe the promised land is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. What did he tell Naaman he had to do? Just go dip yourself seven times in that river. Is it really that hard? But we see in verse 11 that Naaman was so full of himself... He said, I can't believe he won't come out and talk to me. I thought he would do wondrous things. I thought I was going to get to see a spectacle. You know what was keeping him out of that Jordan River? His pride. Know what he said? Are, are, are not these rivers of Damascus better than all the Jordan? Hmm. Do we need anything special? Do we need any fancy spectacles, fancy buildings, fancy presentations? You know what I kind of believe? 
Naaman here, he thought his fame, his money, and prestige could buy his salvation. I kind of think he wanted that to be true too. So he could boast in it. I'd pay a pretty penny for it, but you know, I got it done. Think about that. He said, why not these other rivers? Why not these rivers in Damascus? You know what I think about? I'm going to go here. I've been baptized before. Was that not good enough for the church? I'm just saying, hey, look, I can say this. You know why? I grew up a missionary Baptist. I didn't grow up in an old Baptist church. I was baptized by Elder Ken Still in September of 2017. I'd been baptized before. And you know what? That baptism meant something to me. It did. I'm not saying it was, it meant nothing. That's not at all what I'm saying. But I'm saying, I wanted to be a part of this people. The people at Shiloh could help me. The people in the Lord's church could help me, and I knew that. And you know what? I wanted to be a part of them. I got tickled at Ken Steele. He said, when I joined Bethany, he said, if they had warned me to do a backflip off the high dive, I'd have done it. <laughs> he said, I wanted to be part of them so bad. And all they're asking me is just to go dip myself in a little water. Okay, I, no problem. But Naaman was just like, why do I have to do this? You see that? Why? Why, could, why, didn't it, why don't those other rivers count? But you know, in verse 13, the servants came and they spoke common sense to him, didn't they? It was a maid that pointed Naaman to Israel. And you know who finally convinced Naaman to dip himself in the water? The servants. Wasn't the king. Wasn't the high prophet. It was the servants. They finally said, Look at verse 13. My father, if the prophet had bid thee do something great, wouldst thou not have done it? How much... Rather than when he said to thee, wash and be clean. If he would have asked you to do something great, you'd have probably done it, wouldn't you? But you won't even go get in this water. In verse 14, you know what you'll find? That his simple obedience brought deliverance. Not a cleansing of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God. Does baptism now save us? And that cleaned his flesh here, but you know you understand what I'm saying. And you know what happened when he dipped himself in that river seven times? Look in verse 15. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and came and stood before him, and he said, Behold, now I know that there is a God in all the earth. No God in all the earth, but in Israel. Now therefore I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. I'm not ashamed to say say this. The last six years when I've been a member of my church back home and I've got to meet all these good people everywhere I go, I've seen God like I've never seen Him before. Buy the field and sell it not. I want to be a part of these people. All it takes for me, for me to be baptized again, I, okay, where you want to do it? I just wanted to be part. Compare that submission of Naaman 
to Uzziah. What happened to Uzziah? If you look back in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, we read in verse 21, it says, And Uzziah the king was a leper until the day of his death and dwelt in a several house, being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of God. You know what a several house means? It's existing apart. That word several means existing apart. He was not a part of that people. I don't know. I have no idea. Every single person in the house today might be a member of this church. I don't know. I don't know that. But I know that later, when y'all come together and have communion and foot washing, if you're not, there'll probably be a separation. Don't let that be so. If you're, if you're not a part of this body, don't let that be so. Follow the Lord in baptism. Submit yourself to the authority of this church and be a part of her. And dig in and serve. I don't care how old you are. Dig in and serve. I, you, want, you want to see this church rejoice like never before? Join her. I, know, I, I, I guarantee you that'll happen. Because I know how I feel when I see somebody join the church. And while Uzziah undoubtedly was separated for the rest of his life, there's one thing I also know. There is nothing that could have separated him from the love of God. One of my favorite books of the Bible, maybe my favorite in the New Testament, is 2 Timothy. It's the last letter Paul wrote. Paul, I think, knew this was probably going to be about the last letter he ever wrote. His time was coming near. They were about to kill him. And he was writing a letter to his son in the ministry. If I was writing a last letter to my son in the ministry, I'd want to make it a good one, wouldn't you? Golly, my mind works so crazy, y'all. How many of y'all seen that movie Hoosiers while you're turning there? Y'all seen the movie Hoosiers? You know, Strap, the one that always prays for the gutter on the floor. He's holding Ollie by the hand because Ollie got to go out and shoot that free throw. And the coach says, make it a good one, Strap. That's what I feel like here with Paul. He's writing his last letter to Timothy. I got to make it a good one. I got to tell him everything he needs to know. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, one of the most famous scriptures. He says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Stay in the word, Timothy. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eateth as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and have overthrown the faith of some. And overthrow the faith of some. I see these people who were part of the church at one time, and they're not any longer. It says that their, their faith has been overthrown. What a sad, sad thing to be separate from the church. To be separated from the church. It's a sad thing, isn't it? We've seen it. We've all seen it. One of the greatest verses in Scripture is the next one, Nevertheless. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. There's a difference in relationship and fellowship. Amen. I mentioned the other day, I have good parents. 
really good parents. I'm thankful for it. I have a good relationship. I have good fellowship with both of them. But even if I never talk to them again, they're still my parents. There's nothing I can do to stop that. And I'll guarantee you one thing. I, I believe this. There's nothing I can do to stop them from loving me. But I sure do want fellowship with them. Fellowship with the saints of God is a beautiful thing. God will never forsake you. There is no doubt. He loves you. He will keep you. But boy, being in fellowship with Him and with His church is a beautiful thing. And if you haven't done that, you have this chance today. May God bless you. Well, have you been fed this weekend? Amen. Thank you. I was reflecting back over the weekend this morning. Talking about miracles, right? That's what you said your theme was. So we started out with we're all resurrection miracles. If you're sitting here and you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ today, that's not something you conjured up out of your flesh. We mentioned if all you got to work with is flesh, all you ever generate is flesh. And so if you've got a spiritual mind, heart, inclination in you that has faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that means you're a resurrection miracle. The Lord has given you life. We learned about the miracle of the winemaking. We learned that Christians can celebrate things, and I feel as though this weekend's been a celebration of sorts. It's just joyful to be in your presence and to be around those of like precious faith and to have a good time. We've had a good time together. I really appreciate that. I enjoy being in each and every one of your presence. We learned something about if you got problems, you can take them to Jesus. There's so many of our problems that we have that, honestly, some of the problems in my life, I think, I don't see a way out of the woods on this. And you can get down about that until you start remembering who you're praying to. The Lord can fix things you can't even, you don't even really know fully what's wrong. And the Lord can fix that thing. That's miraculous, is it not? We learned something about doing what he says, and we learned that when we do that and when we act as servants, that servants have access to and see things in the kingdom that others do not see. You might say, I feel cold. I don't feel as though I'm as close to the Lord as I ought to be. Well, are you serving him? Because if you're in the servant's position, you're going to be closer to the Lord, and you're going to see more of his work going on around you. It's more blessed to give than to receive, but that's not what our society teaches us. It says it's all about me, but I'm telling you, as you give more in service to the Lord and His people and His kingdom, you begin to see how the Lord is working in this world, and that's a miracle too. We learned a little bit about the keys to the kingdom. That is a deep topic, and there's a lot you can explore there. We were talking about it after the service. And I always give homework assignments. We actually went through 1 Peter several months ago. I preached through 1 Peter. Read that first chapter. Amen. There's keys to the kingdom in that first chapter of Peter. It looked like you'd think uh, the Lord thought that, uh, <laughs> you'd think he thought he was a janitor. How many keys he gave him. <laughs> Got a key to every room in the school and, you know. A lot of keys there. That's a little study. People get wound up about studying. I don't know where to start, so there's a place to start. Go read through that. Look for some keys in there. And we learned a little bit about leprosy today and that picture of sin and those two examples. Uzziah, I think Uzziah is an example 
of what I call conditional time condemnation. There's two sides to the coin. You've got conditional time salvation and conditional time condemnation, right? You can't be saved from something that's not threatening to condemn you in some way, right? So that's always out there. And what you see is that when he was strong, that's when he was wrong. You get strong and you're apt to get wrong. That's pretty counterintuitive, but the Bible teaches that over and over and over again. When we think we're strong, that's when we're actually susceptible to things. Uzziah was condemned as a result of his disobedience, and that's a, that's a warning to us. But then you see Naaman, and I like what you said about the Jordan River. I've heard that too. I've never been there either. I've seen pictures of it. It looks kind of danky, a little muddy. Uh, doesn't look like much. You know, the Lord's house doesn't look like much. By the measure of the world that is building giant cathedrals with stained glass windows and putting on concerts, fog machines, laser light shows, multimedia presentations, this church is a little contemptible place in the middle of nowhere. That's how the world views it. That's not how the Lord views it. And it's certainly not how I view it. This is a blessed place. And I love you people. And I would want everyone to be a part of that. You know, Jordan River doesn't look like much. This baptistry right back here doesn't look like much either. It's not about what it looks like to the carnal eye or what the world thinks about these things. It's about following the Lord in obedience and being a part of this family. I am so thankful to be a part of this family. You don't know how much it means to me. I invite you to become a servant in the Lord's house. Thank you for bringing all that before us this weekend. Why don't we sing 212, and I'll give you an opportunity as we extend an open door of the church. Thank you for listening to SuccessfulSavior.org, the ministry of Harmony Primitive Baptist Church.